Welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Hin Zaina, and in this episode, I'm in conversation with the team behind the Overnight Film Festival, an independent small film festival that takes place uh, every two years in Eastbourne, a small seaside town in England. So I'm here with the festival director, Chloe Trainer, and uh, film programmer, Isabel Moore. Can you just introduce yourself, uh, what yeah. you do? Uh, so I'm Chloe. I'm one of the festival directors here at Overnight. Um, and yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> I'm Isabel Moyer, and I'm one of the film programmers here. The Overnight film programmer, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it is, it is a big team behind it. And I recall on opening night, you said this wouldn't happen without, you know, so many of you working and it's on your own time. This is completely independently run. There's no big brands or anything behind it. And I'd like you to, you know, maybe go from the start. So why Eastbourne? Why in a hotel? So just for listeners, this, the entire festival takes place inside a hotel, Queen's Hotel, with a beautiful view of the pier in Eastbourne. And, you know, there's film screenings and there's activities and eating together. And, and it's a wonderful experience. And I was quite charmed by the idea when I first found out about it. So yeah, I'd like to know what was you know, what inspired it and who decided this should happen? So Sam Cuthbert, who is the other director on the festival, um, kind of came up with the idea. It was his baby. It was actually inspired by a music festival called All Tomorrow's Parties, okay. which took place in Butlins, which is a holiday camp here in England. And basically they would take over the whole holiday camp. People would stay in chalets and they would just put on this incredible music festival um, with all of these live bands that you'd see in kind of really odd places that you wouldn't expect to normally see them um, and part of that was that they worked with guest curators so each year it was a different musician curated the lineup uh, so he kind of took those two elements of like the communal and the guest curators and put them together uh, to build overnight so yeah we work with guest curators um, and they pick film selections that they come and present at the festival and then Isabel also puts together her film program which plays alongside it um, and kind of bookends as well with the opening and closing nights. Um, and yeah, so it's it's a communal festival and it's very much kind of designed to bring people together. Um, Eastbourne is kind of, it was actually by accident um, in that it was the hotel that, you know, was up for doing it, had enough rooms, had the space. But Isabella is actually also an Eastbourne native, um, which makes things really easy in terms of running the show. Um, Isabel's family are really supportive and let us stay with them. And, you know, they have lots of links to the local community who we try and, you know, work with to make sure that people are like taking advantage of everything that Eastbourne has to offer. Um, so yeah, but it's kind of perfect because it's close enough to London that people can come down. We're also really near to Brighton. People come from Bristol and further afield as well internationally, um, which is really exciting to us. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how it all came about, I would say. Have I missed anything? No, I think it's also part of it was also trying to make some kind of film community in a town where perhaps there isn't any film presence. Um, we have an Eastbourne theatre and music, but there is we have one independent cinema, but that's about it. There's not much other film activity. So the idea of do, like taking it away from the big cities that have this already going on. So I remember um, I was here a day before the festival started and had a chance to walk around. So I went to Curzon Cinema, watched a movie there, and then 
Um, I noticed a poster outside. I think there's a screening of a documentary, Behmoth, and it said the Eastbourne film community or something. So I think there's like a film club, and I thought it's quite cute. So I was like, oh, I hope they're attending overnight. So I'm, I'm not sure if you know them or if you see them. But it's interesting, I think, like you said, taking it away from the big city. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that my sense is a lot of them are from London. So is it like the cinephile community from London? And I mean, I think your background, do you work? Are you in the industry? So, and that's why, yeah. I guess, I mean, the word spreads. Yeah, all of the team kind of work in film exhibition in one way or another, whether that's kind of project marketing programming producing um all of that kind of stuff and we're all really yeah like passionate about it so we work on multiple things uh, which is how we all met obviously but also kind of how we spread the word initially about the festival um i remember we sent a save the date email when we decided to do it to like all of our friends that we thought might be interested and were kind of connected to film in some way um but it's really nice actually this year that we've um so the first year it was a lot smaller there was only a hundred guests here and this year it's 150 so it's quite a jump um and so last time i'd say maybe 90 percent of the audience knew somebody involved in some way and this year it feels slightly different there's a lot of people here that we've never met before that have just kind of heard about the festival whether that's on social media or they know someone that came last year um and yeah, so it's really nice actually to see people coming in that aren't just our friends and kind of seeing their responses to stuff um, is really exciting to, yeah, just see what they discover here. Yeah, no, I mean, I think word of mouth, that's how I got to know about it. And I think it's just really encouraging to see that the film community is kind of rallying together and, you know, whether, you know, just Londoners or other cities around that's close to Eastbourne. And like you said, it is an easy city to get to. So, and yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see if this, would you want it to get bigger? Or are you happy with this kind of side? Do you want it, this kind of intimate affair that you don't want it to become like you have to book like many hotels (laughs) yeah I mean we really want to stay here at the Queen's and we can't grow any bigger than we are and also um, Isabel was talking earlier about kind of this idea that it's just one screening and you don't have a choice Um, so everyone watches the same films together which actually really builds like a lovely community because everyone's seeing the same things you're not being stretched running around trying to catch things and it just that really works for what we're trying to do and I think 150 is really nice because enough people can come you can meet complete strangers uh if you you know meet someone on the first night like you can you know spend the weekend with them or you don't have to because there's enough people that you can talk to whoever you want um and so I think we'd like to keep it this kind of size um because yeah I think it would lose something if there was too many people almost like it is yeah like community it's a group of people that like share something that's just that weekend and that's like really special so yeah yeah i agree the opportunity to be able to all of us watch the same film at the same time instead of kind of like what film do i choose you know there's at, at normal film festivals where there's like you know many films and and you have to miss out and i like the idea that yes we're all watching the same film at the same time and again and the choices of films so I'm interested in I mean obviously we're not watching kind of new releases they're all old films and and really really interesting choices and I'd like to know yeah what is is do you start off with a theme or like what what kind of brings you to to what we have now like what what why do you choose these films yeah so um with our guest curators the brief we gave them was um, films that inspired their practice um, or inspired, like creatively inspire them, um, what films they wanted to share with the crowd. 
And the way I've always approached it is I've always wanted, I've thought of it more in a way of what films haven't been screened enough. For example, um, The Velvet Vampire felt like that. And also with Seventeen, they haven't had many UK screenings. And I wanted like to think about how we watch films together and what films are important to watch in a group. And also, so yeah, we haven't had a theme. It's more about how... It's more about how we, um, like, what kind of films you think should be shared in a group. Because we all have films that we'd rather watch, you know, on your own, or they're okay to watch at home. And there's other films that just feel better in a big audience, and the ones that you can keep talking about with people who you meet over in the weekend. And how do you go about acquiring the rights to screen the films, you know, funding to get the films? Uh, could you tell us about that? Isabel books all of our films, so she'd be the one. So funding-wise, uh, ticket sales actually cover all of the costs of the festival. We keep things incredibly cheap where we can, and obviously we don't pay ourselves yet. Hopefully at some point uh, we'd like to get some maybe grant funding to do that. Um, but yeah, we keep things so that we can cover the cost from the ticket sales. Um, but yeah, Isabel books all of our films, so she'd be the one to talk about that. Yeah, it's a long process, <laughs> but it's re- I like I quite like doing it, especially when they're films that haven't really been screened. You do have to go on a bit of a quest to find out who the right holders are. Unfortunately, there have been titles that we can't find the right holders for, and therefore we aren't able to screen them. But yeah, we've been in touch with distributors or other. What's really helpful is um, getting in touch with other cinemas and other film festivals that have screened them in the past, who are usually really helpful in sharing information, which has been valuable. The BFI have uh, always been really valuable and useful with that kind of information. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I do wonder because sometimes I, I'm interested in a film and, okay, who are, who's a distributor? I can't even find that information. And I can't believe at this point of time where it's still difficult to find that information it's not entirely transparent and and so that's why I'm always just in awe and inspired by people who do end up putting these screenings so it's like wow hats off because yes such a deep hole of trying to find where these films are (laughs) and you know and like you said figuring out who the right you know who owns them who got the rights and Mm. to screen them and is this something that obviously takes up a lot of time right yeah, it takes up a lot of time. And also, as we're a small festival, sometimes you'll go on a long quest to find who the right holders are, and then you're unable to afford the, the um, screening materials or the rights. So there's a lot of, it's a lot of fun emailing, and yeah, it's quite a long, lengthy process. Um, it depends what type of films are screened. Like, obviously, we're trying to screen hidden gems or films that maybe haven't been. Um, screen much so they do take a little longer to um, find and source but mm. yeah well it's always it's always really rewarding when you do find them mm. which yeah and can you tell me about queen's hotel so a it's an amazing location it's right by the sea by this beautiful pier very old-fashioned you know uh, hotel i've always fancied visiting a british seaside town and in winter i just think there's something romantic about it. I don't know why. I mean, I'm here on my own, by the way. But anyway, and, and when I found out, it's um, there's a film festival. I mean, it, it was like double bonus for me. And yeah, it's, it's an adorable hotel. I've been finding kind of like interesting corners and corridors and images and, you know, photos and carpet patterns and wallpaper. And yeah, can you tell me about this hotel? Yeah, I mean, it was a complete surprise to most of our team as well. Um, Isabel, I think, has some personal connections to the hotel, but we really love it because it's just so 
full of character like it's almost like walking in to a time capsule um and it's you know the rest of the year it's kind of used for uh like old age pensioner groups who come um on coaches and they kind of spend the weekend at the seaside uh, so i think for the staff it's always quite fun to have this kind of flood of like young people coming down from london and the staff are always a bit confused what we're actually doing um but they're always very pleased with the bar spend so yeah <laughs> uh, so that's how it all works out but yeah i mean i think isabel probably knows more about the history of the hotel and yeah, um, the hotel was um, built in 1880, um, but I think you can tell um, if you've been here, it obviously had its heyday. Um, it's a bit kind of faded glamour, but you can tell back in the time, like there's a big ballroom, which we're using as a screening room. And there are old photos around the building of how the hotel used to look like. And it's a, it's a very good location right in front of the pier, so I can imagine it of being the top place to stay back in the in 1930s in particular. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and may it stay that way because I'm, I'm also amazed that a building like this in a hotel like this still exists like it hasn't been kind of knocked down to make way for you know big brand five star hotel so I don't know is, is this a case where maybe Eastbourne is not hot property at this point and it could change later um, well the Basically, on the Eastbourne seafront, there's four miles of just hotels, mm-hmm. and you're not. And the, I think the landowner who was um, who owns the land here, he doesn't um, want any shops or any properties being built, so they're all hotels. So I'm not sure what the what's in store. But for example, in between the two film festivals for overnight, they said they were going to refurbish, and we got a little sad that maybe they might change it, but they haven't. So, <laughs> so hopefully. Hopefully nothing's going to change for a while because it's part of the charm. Yeah. No, totally. And you guys, I think, have done an amazing job just in, time, in terms of kind of taking over the public spaces. So the, the party room looks is adorable. The screening room is really set up quite well. It's intimate. And if you're screening films on 35mm format, you can hear the whizzing of mm-hmm. projector, which fine, I know it sounds all, you know, quite romanticized. But yeah, it's just, I think for cinephiles, we just love these moments, right? Like it just adds to the the charm and the special moment and you know i know something i'm not going to forget compared to watching a movie at a regular screening and yeah i mean and how big is i know i remember opening night you talked about you've got the chief officer of fun or like so you know <laughs> is that the person who's in charge of all the glitter in the party room <laughs> so we have a kind of team team of fun so we've got our two co-directors and then we have our production designer who like transforms the hotel and she's absolutely amazing so they kind of work in collaboration on some of the like finer details um but sophie ansel our production designer yeah she does all of the like incredible sets that you see around um she's turned the phone booth into peep shows this year um all of the stage all of that kind of stuff um and then yeah our co-directors of fun hannah and steph this year that was a new addition to the team and it's been really amazing to kind of see what they do with it they came to the festival last year and they're good friends with us so they're really like on the same page um but yeah we just kind of want it to be as much fun as possible like the whole point is that you come and just do something that you wouldn't normally do um and i think that you know feeds through absolutely everything that we're doing and yeah like last night we had a performance artist having a seance in one of the bedrooms and then there's also a room in the hotel that's open uh constantly with tv shows playing so if you ever just want some some time away and there's just you know popcorn in there and you can just sit and just chill out for a minute and it's just like the little things like that that taking on a larger team has really helped us like be able to do all the things we had hoped to do when we like first started planning 
You know, it's it's super fun. It looks effortless, uh, but it also looks very uh, well thought. So, I mean, just honestly applaud. And I think you all obviously appear to be on the same page. So you all have the same ideas of what's going to be fun and quirky mm-hmm. and enjoyable. So it totally, like I said, it appears effortless, but very well thought as well. And I mean, I was also interested by the code of conduct mm-hmm. uh, manifesto. You know, you announced that. I was quite interested and I read it and, and I was, yeah, curious to know what, what what caused that and and is it something is it in reaction to anything specific or just the times of uh, yeah if you can maybe elaborate yeah definitely i mean it's it comes from the fact that we all care a lot about the festival feeling incredibly inclusive and we don't want anybody to feel unwelcome or marginalized or that their voice is less important than anyone else's which you know is kind of the whole point of working with guest curators giving people a platform that might not normally have one um so that kind of feeds through to the guests as well um and also the festival was really designed so that everybody is equal so even if you're a curator like you're still going to sit and eat breakfast with everyone else like it's not there's no hierarchy here and the team you know we're just like we just love films as well we're all just people like so the code of conduct felt like a kind of natural progression of that to just kind of put things down in writing um obviously recently there's been a lot of kind of controversy in the film industry as a whole but also there has been stuff going on in the film exhibition industry particularly in america um and you know things yeah people are always talking about these things because it is an ongoing issue um and something that we just wanted to make clear that we you know we're an open space we want people to have a good time so just like just be a nice person basically like the rules aren't like really harsh when you read through them it's just basically like how to be a nice human so that's what we're hoping to create yeah i mean it made me pause and think and it's like yeah it, it's about being a good person right and and that this is an inclusive space and everyone's equal and if you have any issues don't you know please come and report any of the team members so it was a very um embracing gesture from your side and uh yeah and i'm wondering because this one thing about you know a printed code of conduct where it feels kind of enforcing rules but this was a very different tone and um yeah i and i guess yes it is in response to i think a lot of controversy going on and i think more and more industries now you know, stories are popping out and, mm. and it's just, it's probably something like, you know, a little manifesto everyone should read first thing in the morning, right? So like to yeah. a reminder to be a good person and a good human to, to other people. And yeah, maybe you should, I don't know, like print it on your website or, you know, just yeah. like a, this code of conduct, mm-hmm. which could be something that I think people could uh, take on and, and, and yeah. put in practice. Yeah. We actually, um, we took inspiration and guidance on our code of conduct from an organization, um, based in Toronto. So Sam, uh, the other director of the festival, actually moved to Toronto in between festivals. Um, and he's now back, flew in on Thursday morning to be here for this edition. Um, and yeah, he um, attends a lot of events with this organization called Dames Make Games. Um, and he's always kind of spoken really highly about the way that they create that kind of open inclusive space you know specifically in the games industry like you know women working in the games industry is a big that's you know a huge barrier that people are facing um so yeah so we took a lot of inspiration from the way that they kind of have their code of conduct the way that they deal with that stuff and i think that's kind of maybe what the industry is missing is like an industry standard for like this is how we should all be dealing with these things and this is how we should be asking our audiences to behave in the space um and if people aren't willing to kind of play by those rules then you're not welcome because you know for us it's about everyone feeling equal and everyone feeling embraced and if 
if you're going to come into a space and make someone else feel uncomfortable, then, you know, we're quite happy to say that you're not the kind of person that we want. So, yeah, but I'd, yeah, massive shout out to Dames Make Games there. Yeah, doing really incredible work of creating that safe space. So, yeah. So we're halfway through the festival. It's over a weekend, uh, and I'm sure you're going to need, uh, you know, much, you know, needed rest after it. And what do, do you start like? Do your brains get into thinking mode about the next edition right away because you just stumble upon knowing about a certain film, or you start kind of on your radar putting the curators that you want to be involved? Yeah, um, with the film choices, I've I've got a long document that I just always add films to in general, and there are films. From this year, we may have not screened, which I think, because what, whatever um, we screen, like, for example, there are films I might have not screened because it's about how the festival program feels as a whole. So it's about finding a balance, whether that's with um, ratio of, like, the stories kind of told or, different con- or where the films have come from, what different languages are speaking. So there's always, I'm always looking for, a look out for more films and, like, what's exciting and also what other places are screening and what you know like for example I, I very much am aware that no one screens Stephanie Rothman's work and that's why I wanted to screen The Velvet Vampire so just being aware of what else is screening at different festivals and yeah, yeah. No, I, I imagine like with film programs, it's an ongoing job. Every day is, you know, even if you're not in like in, on official hours, you're always thinking about it. Because, yeah, I mean, I make my secret wish list. And if I have an opportunity, you know, I would like to screen this double bill or, you know. But no, it, it's amazing. I think that's the beauty of cinema and film, right? Like it's something that you're always exposed to and you're always thinking about, but it doesn't feel laborious or like, a, you know, like a like a pain in the behind kind of job but like it is still enjoyable and uh, and again i think it shows in in with the team and the way this festival is put together so you know we'll wrap it up soon um if you can maybe tell me what your favorite film festival is like what festival do you look forward to uh yeah definitely so well I have a, a wish list of festivals that I'd really love to go to, um, but ones that I've already been to that I really love. My two favourites are CPH Docs in Copenhagen. Um, my, I like really love documentary. My focus is documentary. So, um, yeah, CPH is just this incredible mix of, like, really cool, like, challenging cinema that is within this, like, really well-put-together designed festival, and they have really cool parties and music and all of these kind of interactions between um, film and the other arts, and it's... Yeah, and also, like, Copenhagen is an amazing city. Like, Danish design is obviously amazing, so, yeah, that's a real... That's a banger for me. Uh, And then IDFA is the other one that I would say um, in Amsterdam, just because... They screen so much um, documentary work and it's obviously a lot of world premieres and it's kind of a really nice place to go and see kind of an update of what's going on in documentary and everyone just feels really, I think, um, well towards it. So you get a lot of filmmakers coming and like they really seem to be having a lovely time because it's been running for so long that they have a real... um, yeah, they have a yeah. real great um, community there. Um, the one that I will say that I would love to go to is True False um, in Columbia, Missouri. Um, and yeah, I think we try and take um, a bit of their ethos of like making festivals fun um, and bringing them into overnight. So yeah, those are mine. Yeah, sadly, I don't get to travel as much for film festivals, but I'm always just excited about, especially in London, because that's where we live, just how many different types of film festivals are. It makes it with all the different types of work that people are doing, it makes it feel like you can... It feels inspiring that you can create your own 
you know, something's missing from the major film festivals, you can create your own audience, your own program. For example, like Fringe, Queer Art Film Arts, or Underwire Film Festival, which is for supporting female directors. And I think film festivals is just an amazing way of just meeting new people and also just discovering work by different filmmakers. And I think it's really exciting that there are so many different types and I don't feel they're necessarily competing. I think there's space for lots of different types. So, yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. I think with film festivals, that there's room to discover so much. And that's why I, I try to, you know, travel as much as I can. And I've been to ITFA. And, yeah, it's a great festival. And really, it's one of those where it doesn't feel stressful. Or, again, everyone feels it's treated equal. There's no kind of this, you know, red carpet and all that uh, malarkey in London. I mean, there's such a rich... Uh, you know, a uh, scene of cinema festivals and repertory cinemas, and, and it's great. And, you know, you're quite lucky to be able to live in a city like that because I don't live in a city that has those offerings, and, and that explains me traveling because that's my, that's what kind of enriches me. So, you know, anything, any, any spending I can do is, is pretty much mostly for film festival traveling. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell us where uh, listeners can find uh, Overnight Film Festival online and to hopefully, I don't know if they, if they can sign up to keep up to date with what you're doing and hopefully for your next festival. Yeah, we're at uh, overnightfilmfestival.com. Uh, we do have a newsletter so you can sign up and you'll be alerted when we announce the dates for the next festival. Um, and yeah, just uh, find us online. So yeah, on Twitter, you're Overnight FF. <laughs> and on Instagram, Overnight Film Festival. So thank you, ladies. This was a fun discussion, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the festival. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And for more conversations about film and art and culture, please subscribe and listen to Tea with Culture on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Till next time.